ACL Nation, what is up? It is Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And I'm coming to you from <laughs> a house with no power. <laughs> so storming up here in Northern California. So uh, we're in close quarters, huddle in a room where the warmth is. So you have to mind my co-host to my right and my left. Or, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, you didn't introduce a co-host. It's kind of rude. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> pretty rude. Yeah, sunshine as close as you could possibly get to me. And then we got Koa <laughs> over to the other side. Um, so hopefully they stay quiet during this uh, nice show. But um, <laughs> what was your guys' weekend? Did you guys get some rest? Yeah, I did nothing. I did nothing. Uh, no, that's not true. I have been revamping our digital network. So that should be um, – I spent a lot of time on the computer this weekend. All the issues have been resolved, and now it's about getting all the up-to-date content on there. So I know Cornhole fans at home will be very happy to hear that the digital network is back functional again. Um, but that's – that in football, that's pretty much what I spent all weekend doing. Nice. How about you, Anthony? Uh, basketball kicked up again. So, uh, and little man's back. So he, uh, <clears throat> jacked up his knee, right? He was out for like three months. Um, so got a double header in on, uh, actually third, three games. We got a third game in there on Saturday. So, uh, that was fun to see him back out there. Um, and then Sunday, um, I'm working on our, I think I'm done making these long cornhole science videos, man. They're, <laughs> They are they so. Are. Yeah. So what people don't realize is when you do like a fully produced, it's about I, I've I've the rule of thumb that I figured out it's an hour per minute. So on average, if I have like a, a ten minute video, it takes me about ten hours. So that's you know doing it right, and you know I'm trying to put out something nice, but getting the shots, you know, pulling it all in the overlays, the audio, the everything into the software, cut the right way, like. Man, it is. Uh, so I put quite a bit of time into that, but I think this will be the last extensive like tutorial. Um, and you know, this is all for the love of the game. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no financial benefit in this. It's just sharing data for people to be able to helping the new people come in and maybe some high, higher level stuff for our for our pros and stuff. But um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I think, and we'll talk a little bit more about more responsibilities with the ACL later that uh, I'm really excited about. So you know, other things are going to take priority. But man, I'm. I think I'm done, Mish, with the long ones. Maybe some short ones, you know, little one-minute, two-minute <laughs> ones. <laughs> I, I I remember I used to do, or um, not around the ACL, we called it the ACL Throwdown. Yeah, I used to do that every week, weekly, and I shot that, edited it, and and it wasn't edited well. Like I'm not going to sit here and say it was edited well. And I just developed a rule: we're doing this one take. Like I don't, if you screw up, yeah. we're just you know we're just rolling through. We're not doing. Just because, like, at first I got that mentality, Anthony. I was like, I want to do it right. And like you said, it was taking me 10 hours to do. You don't realize yes. how much even just these small videos take to do. And then it got to the point where I was just like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're one take in this bad boy. And we're just going to hope it turns out well. That's basically where I'm at. I mean, once you, start, like, once you start, like, drawing on them and doing, like, you know, text overlays and, like, arrows and all these, like, it, it – I mean, just to draw, get one arrow in the right spot, you know, could take four or five minutes. So, you know, when you have a bunch of those, these little things just add up and it's like, oh my gosh. That's I why it. I stopped doing the film room. People love the film room. Yeah, I did. But it was, tw it was 25 minute long episodes because I do it a whole game. I do a 30 minute episode. I'm like, guys, this is taking me forever <laughs> to do I one feel your thing. Pain. 
to do one thing that's going to get like, you know, 10,000 views. And yeah. be like, good, good job. Like, good it's job. like, oh, gosh. Dre, you and I are the same. I'm like, one take, it's got to be done. I'm not going to prepare too much for this because if it takes me 10 hours, it's, I'm not doing it. So <laughs> I, I feel yeah. you there. Um, so one of the things we didn't get to talk about last week was the open that occurred in Myrtle Beach. We had so many events happening that we kind of didn't get to spend time there. So we want to spend some time talking about that now. Our singles winner was Fisher Hamilton, followed by Alex Rawls in second. For doubles, Mark Richards, Philip Lopez, second, Trey Birchfield, Alex Rawls. All these names are what we would expect. Um, and not that Fisher Hamilton isn't expected, but good on him to make it there to the top of that. There's a ton of people playing in that open. It was a grind. So no congrats doubt. to him. What do you think, Trey? Yeah, I would just say – you know, on, on the Fisher Hamilton side, like the guy is putting together, he's setting the stage for kind of what we got from Mark Richards last year. He's already got four titles, guys. Four. Insane. Now, granted, some from the end of last year. Yeah. It's from this year, but, you know, he's got this open series figured out, and he is someone that you do not want to play. Now, this is again, though. I say it's what we saw from Mark Richards, but it's also what we saw from Alex Hicks last year. Alex Hicks did not make any splash into the pro-specific events really at all last season. So when we put all this together, do I say to myself, am I going to get a Mark Richards effect from Fisher Hamilton? He's going to be someone continuously in the top five conversations. He's making broadcasts. He's winning a national or two contending for a world championship. Or is he going to be like an Alex Hicks where he's going to dominate the Open Series? He's going to have a really good, really solid season in the pro events, but he's not having that breakout performance in those big, big pro events for the big money, right? That's the kind of the question that I'm going back and asking myself on what to expect. So, um, you know, impressed to see to see Fisher Hamilton. I was really impressed by Alex Rawls. Um, he for made sure. it finals and singles and doubles um yes he comes up a little bit short in both but I, alex rawls is playing unbelievably right now i mean really you even go back three four six months the kid is just not really a kid anymore but man uh rawls has really impressed me and i think is someone that's going to be someone that nobody wants to play um at all this season i think he's going to contend for for number one player in the world um i really do i think he'll be right back there at the end um also on the single side it was cool to see alan rawls and chris kingsbury kind of make yeah. some really solid runs that was it was uh honestly it was surprising to see how both of them played at such a high level and i think that's part of the reason chris kingsbury went so high he was a first round pick right um, the question is, what is that level of consistency? Can they sustain that across the season? So, um, so yeah, Alan Rawls, Alan Rawls had a, had a singles win in January of 2022. So, I mean, and then to, to wrap it up, but making, winning a bracket, making it to the, I believe the final four, um, you know, I, I think was just, this must be his time of the year. We'll see if he can keep, keep it going, but yeah, Fisher Hamilton stole the show. No doubt. Anthony, you were there with me as we were commentating, at least on doubles. I don't know how much you saw of singles, but what were your thoughts on the open event? Yeah, I saw a bunch. It was really awesome to actually be there this time. And, you know, getting getting to be able to walk around, catch some names that you don't normally see, watch a full match, 
just to get the whole experience really does add a lot more value to uh to, to the whole event so um but yeah we should mention coming out of doubles and this was new year's eve your six and o's actually if we go back to rounders which would have been a little bit earlier right but um hisner power looked really good so cody not making the trip on this one adam hisner goes out and picks up a jordan power they were one of your six and o's the gore twins looked really good coming out of rounders and and, and again walking around you get to talk to different people and you get this dang, I just got my butt whooped by the Gore Twins or, you know, Jake just threw an 11 point whatever. So that's kind of the cool stuff you can pick up to. Eric Davis and Caden Allen, I thought were actually favorites to win it when I saw those two together. They were 6-0. and Hamilton, Cano, <clears throat> who have an open doubles championship together, also 6-0. and Fuentes and Getty. Uh, I actually caught Fuentes before the tournament. I'm like, how you feel? He's one of the most like confident guys you'll meet, right? How you feeling? Oh, I'm about to, I'm about to whoop everybody up. I'm about to whoop everybody. You know, like he, he feels, he always feels good. I love that attitude from him. But they went six and zero, oh. and then I got a really good look at Vargas in this one. So that's Segura and Vargas, young kids, um, as a doubles team this year. Vargas to me again the standout. Started to throw his name out when we were doing draft analysis. If we go back even a couple months or a month and a half at least. He kind of started to show up on on some radar just statistically, so I was real excited to get him to see him play. And and so those were your six and O's doing really well. Some other standout teams for me. It was really good to see Josh back. I just really wasn't back, meaning I kind of felt like I asked the question in one of our shows, "Who's the better Holland?" Because I really felt like Derek was the standout Holland for a while. But Josh looked really good. They looked really good as a partnership. I was really impressed with the Kufis brothers. Did you guys get to see them play at all? I mean, they just seem to be deep in every event. What were your thoughts on uh, that? Kufi. Yeah, I was going to say it's Kufi. Kufi is, <laughs> is the plural of Kufis. No, they That's were good. Awesome. I, you know, it, it, I, they have quirky personalities, and I yeah. kind of like it. You know what I'm saying? Like it. they're they're enjoyable to watch a little bit, just because they're they're a little bit a little bit quirky. They're they're very quirky, and their game's quirky too. You know, um, yeah. They're, they're, I can't really pinpoint what style they are they're kind of this just they're not going to run bags but they can they can deal with the mess um it, it's just like this own style i don't know but yeah so the their their personality definitely translates to their play um you mentioned rawls and kingsbury definitely standouts lopez williams looked really good out of the gate they were one of the five and ones and then burton jr and chamberlain which I expected could have been, you know, one of the dark horses to, to, to win a bracket. Um, they looked really good as well, but yeah, when you get into it, I think you mentioned it, um, man, Lopez, you know, we talk so much about Richards and man, Lopez is, he could be a, he could be a top six or seven guy. I mean, he is just consistent. And as a doubles team, they're dangerous. I really spent some time to watch Richards um, real in both singles and doubles. Cause I was curious you know, what kind of player we've been talking a lot about him changing his game. So I really wanted to digest what he was doing in certain scenarios and, um, and spend some time talking to him. So, you know, I'm convinced now that he's not in love with the, with this roll bag, which I was a little nervous about. Um, he's definitely sprinkling it in. He is, there were times where he selected an, a roll bag over an airmail and, and maybe it's so hard because the guy has such an insane airmail and he was the best player last year with, relying on his airmail. So, you know, I get the evolution of the game. So you add a roll bag to an already best player in the world. If he's using it at the right time, I mean, why wouldn't he repeat? So um, those were definitely some of the ones that stand stood out for me, but in singles, there were a lot of brackets. Actually, Mish, we should go back to doubles. We dipped out, right? I think it was like 
I don't know, 1120, 1130 at night on New Year's Eve. And we're like, hey, Wally, you got this, man, because we're going to we're going to go hang out with Trey up in the uh, up in the party <laughs> with the team and have a few drinks. So um, he's like, I got this. So, uh, yeah, we dipped out right before the finals, but we're up there and we, we were kind of watching the matches. But those guys played through the New Year's, you know, they kind of celebrated on the boards. Um, so I thought that was that was pretty interesting. We kind of dipped out and uh, went and hung out. But yeah, in singles, definitely uh, the, the bracket winners. Weedenfield, no surprise. Harbaugh, Hamilton, Graham, Dennis, Caden Allen continues to win brackets. Alex Rawls and, and Allen Rawls. So I think Allen was the only kind of surprise for me because in his bracket, he had a Windsor. You know, he had an Alex Hicks. He had some of these guys that challenged him. So Hey, props to him uh, in doubles, though. It was kind of rough. Thank, thank God for the shot clock because because Rawls and Kingsbury, whoo, if they had 20 seconds, they would use every bit of the 20 seconds. We were over there at the commentary booth just like, oh, yeah, they're using every bit of this. And it really does just kind of <laughs> drag. Keck comes over. I don't know who went and got Keck, but Keck came over and he's like, all right, it's, it's already almost midnight. Let's get these guys on the clock. But, hey, really, really uh, impressed with, with those guys. Um, I don't know, Misha, what did you think? What did you think from that experience? I was the one that got keck. <laughs> oh, oh, I wasn't going to rat you out. It wasn't you, though. No, I, actually, I actually didn't know it was you. <laughs> uh, you no, they could be yeah. mad at me, but come on. <laughs> it was late. <laughs> Get things moving. Uh, no, it was it was really good. I did feel bad dipping out on Wally there, but um, it was like almost midnight. And I mean, have we ever had an open go that many hours? That was a long one. It was a long one. Yeah. It was a long one. A lot yeah, of events. I, yeah. One thing, just one comment about like Richards and Lopez. It's like they may be the most, uh, what lack of, there was going to be a weird word, but like unexciting best team of all time. Uh, I was going to say fundamental. Yes. I mean, yeah. It's, fun, like watching... yeah like, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're a pitcher. They're going to go out. They're going to give up like two earned runs. You're going to win the game three to two. And they're going to do that 16 times throughout the season. Right. It's yeah. just like they just they just are just fundamental is a good word. They don't yeah. make mistakes. I mean, even I even watched Philip Lopez play Fath Sem, um, who was a guy out of Rock Hill who's who's is really good. He, he should be a pro next season. But like Sem had the best game he's played in a while and he won and he beat him. He beat Lopez, but like he made him absolutely earn it. Lopez wasn't out there throwing bags off the board. He's just sitting there grinding bag after bag around the hole, in the hole, hitting some, you know, airmails. I mean, just uh, like your dog's house. I'm sorry. I'm so destructive. <laughs> <by him. laughs> I'm like, stop, Koa, stop. <laughs> oh, gosh. But as no, as I was just saying, it was, you know, just uh, – Lopez and, and Richard, they just don't let you win. Like right. they just, they make you earn it every single time. And to me, that is just annoying, like annoying having to play against them every single time. It's just crazy. That's a good call. Only, I was the only one that put Lopez in my top 10. I feel like people forget how good he is or something just because so of good. Mark Richards. But uh, I, I feel confident having him there. Richards yeah. is fun, more fun to watch now. I will say that it was fun watching him mix it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was like it's like watching Tim Duncan and the Spurs, you know, way you know, fifteen years ago. They were just they would constantly win, 
but they were so fundamental. It was just like, oh gosh, this is boring to watch. But (laughs) (laughs) they make it happen, right? Make it happen. Definitely. All right. Well, let's uh, transition into some news around the league. We had the Northwest Conference event. Our uh, singles winner was Philip Swanson for doubles, Donald Holt and Chad Rowe. Uh, We also have some uh, commentator roles, some changes um, coming up here in 2023. You're still going to have Jeff McHarriger for all your play-by-play, so he's not going anywhere. The golden voice is still there. The golden voice. (laughs) Then, um, Color commentary for Nationals, Worlds teams, you're going to get Trey, but color commentary for Super Hole and Shootouts, you're going to get Anthony, and then I'll be there on the sideline. I'm pumped. Yeah. Kudos to both of you. Round of applause. You guys getting... (laughs) Getting bumped up and we're getting getting to be important people now. <laughs> hey, I mean, you add you add the teams event to last year, right? That's at least eight more broadcasts. So obviously Trey can't do everything. So yeah, I'm excited for the opportunity to to uh, just do my best to fill his shoes and um, just have some fun with it. I mean, Jeff's Jeff's gonna make it easy, right? Me hanging out with him in the booth. He's just so good at like lead, getting you in and out, setting you up controlling the flow of the game. So now I'm excited to just kind of just like when you started playing cornhole, you know, you're, I kind of consider myself like a, you know, a player that could still move up in the, in the ranks, you know, like improve my game. So I'm excited to kind of get more reps with him in the booth and, and work, you know, and I think there's a lot to be said about two people working together. I mean, even me from the first time we were started working together. Now we're, you know, maybe 40 hours in yeah. of commentary. I feel like over time you start to figure out when, how to flow with someone, how to flow with someone specifically. And maybe Trey, you know, I mean, how did that work out with you guys over time? Like, did, was it shaky to start? And then over time it got better. Like you, you can sense when they're done talking, when they're about to come in, you know, I don't know. How does that work? Yeah. It's all about just developing chemistry. Like, I mean, it's, it, it, it just establishes over time. Right. And and I like it because when I watch both of you guys do it, I could tell like even when you first started, you knew what needed to be done. You just weren't there yet. And then I could see it develop over time, right? Even awesome. even Michelle in this last broadcast, like I think at first she was like her first time doing color, her first time doing sideline reporting. She's like, what in the hell is going on, right? <laughs> but then like as as we kept going through the show, I could tell like, oh, okay. she's. I could like watch her and I could see her. She's just looking around. She, her wheels are turning. Like, <laughs> I could see it happen. So I, I'm just excited. I think it's going to be great. Um, Michelle will bring another great flavor to the broadcast. Um, Anthony being in the booth will give me a chance to be a heckler in the crowd. So that'll be great. <laughs> um, but overall, I think it's going to be a fun 2023. So you're still going to make it to the shootouts and Super Bowls? Probably probably a, f- a five out of eight, maybe. Uh, there may be a couple that I don't go to, but um, I'll, be, I'll be there for – for a good majority of them. Okay. Anthony, I, I told myself after that first broadcast in Myrtle Beach, this is the worst I'll ever do. Let's just say this is the worst I'll ever do. <laughs> all uphill from here. It's all uphill from here. Well, yeah, because again, it was your first time and it was with college kids that you didn't know. So it was like yeah. the double, it was the double whammy. But I thought you did great. I thought it was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm That's excited. All right, let's get into some more draft stuff. We, we did kind of analyze the draft a little bit um and wally and i did also on bagging and bragging but what we haven't done yet is get into some draft grades which i don't know about you guys but isn't my favorite part of fantasy football is to see my grade um, <laughs> <laughs> unless it's bad <laughs> and then yeah. i don't know what they're talking about clearly 
But uh, Trey went ahead and put some grades to this, and Anthony's got some uh, more to add to it. So, Trey, let's kind of go through. We're going to start with the American North and um, with the Michigan Marauders. So what do you got for the grade there? Yeah, so the funny thing is I want to make one comment that right before we came on, we were kind of talking about this episode, and Anthony made the comment, you know, I don't know if I really assigned much of a grade. Everybody kind of felt all very similar, kind of like a B, right? Without him, him just saying that blanket, right? My grades ranged of these four that we're going to cover from a C plus to a B plus. So literally okay. one letter grade variance is 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 the extent of all my different grades for this one. Because I think I think I agree with Anthony. I think there were some things that each each of these different teams did really really well, and other places where I didn't love what they did. And they kind of all put them in a similar similar boat. So Marauders, I looked through this team. I thought they had a great, great first through fourth round. Okay, um, they, they they were a team that I really like who they picked up. Obviously, you start off, you get Jay Rubin, right? So when you get anytime you get Jay Rubin, you know you're going to have a, a really strong member of of the team. Um, you know they didn't get uh, Jeremy Shermerhorn out of the gate. They did trade for him later, which I'm going to talk right. about in a second. Um, in addition to that, I really liked that they got uh, Walter in the ninth round. Tom Walter in the ninth round was kind of a steal. Um, but the worry for me is when I factor in the trade, when I factor in the trade, five through seven in their draft now is kind of like lacking. It's kind of gone, right? Um, they did get Jeremy Schirmerhorn, but they lost some mid-round depth by giving up both Gabe Dolan and giving up Carson Getty. So I love their first through fourth round. I think they got some studs, some good picks. Walter in the ninth round was a good solid one. The trade made me iffy. I had them in an A minus to an A range before the trade. After the trade, I have them at a B plus. So B plus from the Marauders for me. Interesting. Anthony, what do you, what do you got on the Michigan Marauders? Yeah, Marauders. So I kind of looked at it, um, you know, I was kind of looking at also what you were talking about, where they were picked up. Um, We learned last season, I learned last season actually, that PPR didn't necessarily matter so much, which makes sense, you know, but when we were first going into this and we had 103 or four rookies, you know, it's tough in a lot of players you had never seen before. It's tough to analyze skill other than looking at a PPR, um, it just it just gives you a sense, some sense of skill level. Um, so I did look at PPR. I also looked at how many rookies they pulled in. I looked at qualification method. I looked at pros overall. So if we look at the Marauders, they only picked up they picked up four PDC players. And what's unique to me is all of those guys were on application. So you know when we talk about qualification method, you know, and it's a little bit different with the PDC as we kind of talk through this. Did you get in through the gauntlet? Did you get in through open? Did you get in through an application or did you win a conference? You know, these are all the kind, I think that that gives you uh, a sense, a sense of talent as well. But as we kind of walk through this, just, just to give you a sense of PPR, if I look at PPRs going across, they were the second highest again, didn't really matter last year, but I just wanted to note that one. Um, and then they have one, two, three, four, five rookies. Um, one of them being Jared Kufis. We just talked about him. I think he's a great pickup in the seventh, eighth round, it looks like, as a rookie. Um, we also have Chris Day. I'm really excited to see this guy play. I, I, 
he did really good at one of the opens, I want to say, um, last year, Trey. I feel like it was early and then nothing happened for the rest yeah. of the season. So I'm curious to see where – and he was a deep, a late pickup. He is – he was a 10th pickup. I think that's a pretty good pickup to pick up a veteran like that. Um, Daniel Walker um, was also a rookie. Chris Morrison, which I thought was a great last pickup. We're talking about a 9-1 guy as a rookie coming in. He was completely off my radar, but – Overall, if I were going to rate these, and it's going to be the same for me as Trey was saying, you know, I'd say that it was kind of B. I think a solid B for for them and that one there. All right. Next up, we got the Ohio Aviators. What'd you give them, Trey? Yeah, I, I gave them a B, right? Like just a solid B. Um, you know, I uh, Fisher Hamilton was a home run first pick, right? That's who they needed to get. That's who they got. Home run. Don't worry about it, right? Cobb, Tyler Cobb at the second pick on their team, I thought was maybe a little bit of a reach. Um, I think he could have been there. Like they could have grabbed him in another round. I, that's the only thing. I, because they're near at the end of a round, it's tough to say for certain. Um, but I think they might have been able to get him on the backswing. Regardless, I think it's okay. I just didn't love that positioning as far as the, the draft goes. Um I, I loved the trade, the trade, which we just talked about. I said, I didn't like it for the Marauders. I did like it a lot for the aviators. They picked up two solid players. Very happy there. Um, to me, they went veteran heavy. So they, they said to themselves, I think they're, they're The success of their team is going to be predicated on the, the, the performance of some of these veterans like Ashton Spice and Corey Morrison who are consistently undervalued and underrated, are they able to play at a high level? And if they are, I think the Aviators can have a pretty solid team, but I give them a B. Anthony, you agree? Yeah, one thing to mention, this team is all pros. Um, so no PDC in here. And I actually missed it back at the Mission Mar Marauders. I thought it was worth mentioning is they have an insane amount of people. I'm looking through it right now. All of their pros are in the top 100. So if we look at ranks from last season – you know, they are all, we got a 27, a 64, a 40, a 25, a 49, a 29, 84 is their highest rank. And that's a Chucky Love in the fourth round with a high PPR. So I will say for the Marauders, though, it was really high ranks from, from performance from last season. But um, yeah, for Ohio, all pros again, as I was saying. So that's significant. They're saying, hey, we're not going to look really deep into this. We're not going to really look to the PDC. And there were some standouts, and I'll mention one a little bit later that could have been a pickup for them, but they stayed all pro. Um, yeah, like you said, Hamilton, Ty Cobb went one round early, I think. Gabe Dolan was right behind him. I think he could have been another round later. Um, Ashton Spees, I think, was about right. But to your point, uh, Trey, I think early they could have probably just pushed the picks down one, one more, like you said, being on the turn coming back. Maybe try and get Cobb in the third round, uh, but yeah, th those are kind of my takeaways. Again, not bad. I mean, I think I think a solid B for that for that squad. What about the New England Woodchucks, Trey? What do you got? Yeah, so I'm a Woodchucks guy. I'm a New England guy, which means I'm going to be harder on them. Okay, oh, so, so, that means you're biased. Okay, got it. Yes, yeah, so I'm biased, but I'm going to be harder on them, right? So, uh, easy first pick, Kyle Malone, slam dunk, ride it, done. Um, I think everybody has the same reaction of where they went to. They want Shibner, right? To me, it's a reach, right? Now, I think they also had another reach a little bit later in Brent Smith, okay? Those two reaches are going to make or break their team, okay? 
The good news is we don't really know, right? We don't really know if we uh, we were, we're guessing they're going to be reaches, right? We're, we're assuming they're going to be. But in four months from now, five months from now, we're, we're, that's when we're going to be able to tell if they were reaches, right? The thing about the Woodchucks is they are really heavily reliant on unknown rookies and how they will perform, right? Plain and simple. They could perform at a really high level or they could not. And that's just an inherent gamble. Opposite of what the Aviators did, right? Aviators say, I know who Ashton Spies is. I know Corey Morrison is. I expect him to perform like this, right? And I know what their floor and ceiling is. I don't really know what the floor and ceiling is for Zach Shibner or Brent Smith. So I really like their late pickups. I'm going to give them a C plus because I'm, I'm pretty hard on them. But I will say that they have a huge discrepancy between their floor and ceiling for the Woodchucks. Ooh, C plus. Anthony, what do you think? Is that in the C category? I think this is either going to be a genius <laughs> team or a flop. Um, you got humans behind this. I think there's some genius in here. And I think what we don't know is how they're going to set up these doubles partnerships. And I think that that's where humans comes into play here and how he's thinking about this, how he matches up this team into doubles could end up being genius. Um, you did mention the rookie half more. Yes. Eight, eight rookies, Trey Mish, eight rookies on this team by far the most out of anyone. I will say with Brent Smith, I thought I knew every nine, six cornhole player on the planet. I didn't know him. I didn't know him. He's a nine, six, five guy coming out of the PDC and this is over hundreds of rounds. So nine, six in games is, you know, you can't deny that kind of talent. So that one kind of surprised me a little bit, but I agree. Shibner in the second round. Um, I think this is where Jimmy uh, kind of gave me some shit when I went back into the uh, captain's area. He was like, you're doing a good job, except you know, you're, 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 you're basically making my team look bad. And I was like, I was like, sorry, man. Um, but yeah, Shibner was an off one for me. I was like, second pick. Couldn't you have gotten him in that third round? Now he did show out right over the weekend. Again, we, we kind of saw that trend, the guys that were having a good weekend at Myrtle, I feel like they're, they kind of bumped them up a level or two, but overall eight rookies, I think it's a brilliant team or it's going to, or it's going to fall apart completely. So we'll have to see how it turns out. All right, last one's the Pennsylvania Ringers. What what kind of grade did they get? Yeah, again, all kind of in the middle there. I gave them a B minus. Um, B minus. I love getting Foreman second. That's exactly where I wanted them to go. They didn't have to waste a first round pick. They did. They took Justin Burton Jr. Right, which is great in the first round. But you also took a rookie with your first pick, right? Someone who hasn't won a big event yet, just yet. Um, not necessarily saying I disagree with it, just saying that's that's some caution to throw, right? You took a rookie with your first overall pick. Um, same thing when they took Brunson. Brunson's one of those players, you know, Nick listening into this, close your ears, but like he's unproven in a way, right? Again, we know the talent's there, but the question is, will he perform? I think I, a similar, similar situation here, you're reliant on rookies in key spots in order to be successful. Love Gage Landis in the sixth round. I think that was a steal, a great player, um, hometown player as well. Um, overall, B minus. And again, similar to the Woodchucks, though, if those rookies perform, they have they only have up to go. All right, last minute thoughts, Anthony. I like the rookies they picked up. Five rookies. Burton Jr., we know well, right? 
opens open or excuse me world's singles final uh with with Weedenfield. good pickup there adrian brunson another strong pickup david ryan in the fifth round i think was a strong pickup for him he's already shown what he can do alongside his son in doubles um and then pretty decent pickups with brian edwards and nate long deep in the draft those are going to be your five rookies again another full pro team except for one player coming out of the uh, in the pdc adrian brunson and you can't argue with that guy. So overall, I mean, I feel pretty good about this team. Uh, I, should, I share a lot of the same thoughts you have as well, Trey, but I, I would give them a solid, solid B as well in this one. All right. Well, we'll keep you updated on more grades in the weeks to come. But let's go over to buy or sell. I will read a statement and you guys let me know if you buy or sell. The first one being that you would take Fisher Hamilton over the field in a rookie of the year award prediction. Trey, buy or sell? I put a poll out there. And I said, who do, who do you take? Fisher Hamilton, Ryan Wiedenfeld, or the field? And Fisher Hamilton won by about 20%, and Ryan Wiedenfeld and uh, the field were about even on percentages. Um, I don't know. Something is telling me I, I really like how Wiedenfeld and Ryan Smith played together at that yep. first event. And although Rookie of the Year is going to be heavily, heavily decided by singles ranking, if Wiedenfeld and Smith are able to have a really strong season in doubles, it is going to add to the resume. I'm actually going to sell um, and, oh. and say, uh, yeah, I, I, I am leaning towards Ryan Wiedenfeld. I started with Logan Chamberlain. Now I'm kind of on this Ryan Wiedenfeld bandwagon and – um, Alex Rawls is just going to be sitting there waiting for me going, all right, just let me know when you're ready to jump on the Fisher Hamilton bandwagon. So I'll sell. <laughs> well, Wally will agree with you on this one. Uh, all right, Anthony, buy or sell. Hey, you can't, I mean, that, that's a good picture. I mean, I know we're all thinking, at least I was from the very beginning thinking, uh, thinking Hamilton, but picking Weedenfield, that's a good pick as well. But Hamilton, he's the most dominant, I think, non-pro coming out of last season. He was a singles open winner, a doubles open winner with, with, with Kano. Um, he did win his bracket at worlds along with Weedenfield, but Weedenfield did go a little bit further. Weedenfield first Hamilton third with JBJ in the middle. I think those are your three guys that we're talking about. We might want to start talking about adding a purser in there a little bit. Maybe it's too early. Um, but he could certainly be a guy who comes out start of the pro season and really just dominate. Um, but yeah, for right now, I'm kind of leading towards Hamilton. So you're buying. Buying. Okay, just making sure. Uh, second one, Alex Rawls is the best player in the world right now. Buy or sell? Buy, no hesitation. I'm buying it. And uh, I, yeah, I, I just think, I, I think, and sure, Fisher Fisher won this past year, or this past event, fine. But yeah. Alex Rawls, I, I'm not seeing anybody better right now. Anthony. I'm buying as well. Uh, the kid's balling. Here's the thing about Rawls. I feel like his ceiling is his floor. I feel like the guy is so consistent. Like, when is he ever bad? If he's bad, he takes third or fourth. Like, he is yeah. insane consistent. He's always in the podium mix. You know, if he's not first, he's third. He's just right in there. Uh, the only other person, we're saying in the world right now, the only other one that could come to mind maybe is like a Caden Allen just because of his – consistent reign of winning brackets, but uh, I'm going to give it to Alex Rawls for sure. Uh, buy, Mish, since you want a right, hard Kyle buy. Malone yeah. is top 10 player, buy or sell. 
right now, I'm going to say yes. Now, you said he will finish a top 10 player. I want to see it one more time. One more time before I make that prediction. Prove right it. now, yes. Prove bye. it. Prove it. Yeah, prove it. <laughs> Anthony? <laughs> um, yeah, recency-wise. And when we say recency, not just like the week, but I would say over the past like four or five months, the talent is there. He's beating the top 10 players in the world today, so he's certainly capable I don't think it's a question of how how he can what his ceiling looks like or what his performance looks like. I think the question is is like you were saying does he maintain that level of talent? And to me it comes down to life. Does life get in the way? You know, he, he we had the suspension from last year, he slipped up. That's behind him. Uh he's pretty open about the struggles of being, you know, a, a parent, you know, separated from his baby mama. I I was a I was a product of that, and it takes a big toll on on the life of the parents. Um, if he can get that squared away, if he shows up to the boards and he's completely focused, he could be the number one player in the world. That's how good I think Malone is. He's just got to get his personal life squared away, and he could be one of the best players in the world. I'll buy, though, because I had some conversations with him at, uh, at Myrtle Beach. He seems focused, and he's he just seems motivated this year to really get it done. So I'm, I'm going to buy Mish. Okay, how about Rosie Streaker's back? What do we think? Bye. Bye. Rosie Streaker's back. back. You know, oh, I, I, there, there is, I, I was not ready. I didn't feel like I was totally ready to say it, or maybe I was kind of saying it in jest when she was at that conference event and played so well. But then for her to put on the performance she did at the last pro shootout, get all the way to the end, like I just, I think she's got more chemistry now with her bags. She's more focused. She's more, I don't know. I just, I hope we see more of it this year, but I I fully expect Rosie Streaker to be a top four to five female this year in in the uh, in the pro division. Anthony, agree? Bye. That one's easy. <laughs> <laughs> All Bye. right. All right. Last one. Chris Fagan was the most pro ready prospect from the NCCC. Yeah, this uh, I, I'm going to buy this one as well. I know. I know. Cole Brewer won. He won. I mean. What I saw technique-wise out of Fagan, I liked the different levels of shot selection. No doubt about it, Cole Brewer played the best that day. And he may maybe the second best prospect that there is. I, I don't know. I just saw a different style of play. And almost to me, and Chris would hate to hear this, it almost felt like he let that game go and he just didn't he didn't play his best, right? When I get the best of both, I think – Fagan is a little bit more dynamic, and so that way I, I'm going to buy it on that on that front. Anthony? Yeah, you nailed it. He sold. He sold in that final, and he told me himself. He's like, I sold. I, I couldn't get it done. I should have won that. Um, but you nailed it. I think stylistically he is the most ready pro. IQ-wise, confidence on the boards. This guy has been playing some of the best for a while. Uh, he's well-known within the Cornhole community because of his performances against some of the best in the world. So uh, I buy, I buy that one, Mish. All right. All right. Let's talk about some updated award winner predictions. We've touched on this in previous episodes, but we're getting into the season now. So uh, what are we thinking for MVP, Trey? Yeah. Uh, MVP. I, I, um, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ride the high. I'm going to go Alex Rawls now. I knew it. Right. Yeah. So I've been kind of just change it up. I mean, I feel like my opinion changes month to month, but I'm, and, and I'm, I'm just so <laughs> like skewed by certain things, but there's anything I've seen over the past couple months. It's that we've seen ebbs and flows by certain players. 
except Alex Rawls, right? Yeah. He, he, yes, he hasn't really won much, but he's been like, oh, uh, Fisher Hamilton beat Alex Rawls in the finals. Caden Allen beats Alex Rawls in the semifinals. Like all these people beating Alex Rawls like right there at the end. And so something to me just says this is going to be the year that he puts it all together and 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 gets and, and becomes the MVP at the end of the year. He's playing with Trey Birchfield. You know they're going to be a dominant team again in doubles. So I just I just think he's got a chance to sweep everything. Anthony, you got the man, same one? I'm with you, man. It, 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 I am so tempted to go Alex Rawls. Um, I think he deserves it. But something keeps telling me to stay with Jamie Graham. And if he didn't yeah. have that performance he had in Myrtle Beach – making it all he's gonna he, he's on tv for the shootout right he was the last two standing i think i'm gonna stick with my gut here and go graham you know little things like uh he's 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 got a structure in his backyard where he's repping now uh, a dedicated she walks out his door he's got a environmentally controlled indoor structure to to rep bags the shoulders behind him he's a proven champ but alex rawls is right there with him i i could be convinced of that one too so i'm gonna go graham for right now mish all right Rookie of the year, we kind of touched on. Are you going Weedenfeld, Trey? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Weedenfeld. I I had Logan Chamberlain at the beginning of the year. Just haven't. I still want to root for Logan. He's still still who I'm rooting for, just because I think he'd be a good dark horse. But I, I'm I'm actually gonna go with an, another dark horse now, and not dark horse, another non-favorite because Fisher Hamilton's gonna be favorite and go with Ryan Weedenfeld. Anthony, how about you? Yep, still Hamilton, uh, but I'd like to definitely uh, add add Purser to that conversation as we move further along. I think he deserves to be in that discussion. Sweet. Uh, good news for the Cali Slingers. All right, uh, breakout player of the year. Who do you have for that, Trey? This one is interesting because, you know, we went through our entire list. I've seen Cornhole for the past couple months. I don't even remember who I put on my breakout player of the year from, from a while ago. Alec. Alec Ryan, I'm pretty sure you did, right? Alec Ryan, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Alec Ryan, I think I, oh, that's right, because I had him at like 42 or something like that, right? I could not believe this when I was going through. Last year at 105 was Jeremy Frazier. Jeremy Frazier, Frazier. yeah. And I was like, this has got to be a typo, right? (laughs) I like Alec Ryan still. I think he's going to be one, two, but I don't, to me, Jeremy Frazier could be a top 30 player. He, I mean, based on how he's been throwing over the past six months, that's not an exaggeration. And for him to go from 100 to 30, that would mean if Alec Ryan was going to beat that, Ryan would have to go from like the 40 to like 10 or, or better, right? He'd have to really make a strong jump. I, I think, I think it's going to be a two, two horse race between Alec Ryan and Jeremy Frazier. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Jeremy Frazier just to go a little bit on the edge. Anthony? I love the Frazier call. I had that one on my list too. Um, I like a Nico Morellis as well. He was just a little bit ahead, 102. I think he has that 25 to 30 uh, capability. Maybe Shaka Sal at like 19 or 20 or something like that. So I like him in the mix. Uh, Jake Gore at 118. Um, I mean, I can see him being a top 35. Maybe you go from 118 to 30, 35. That's pretty good. Cameron Vel- Belvin, 121. I think she's throwing really well. And then what about this? What about Kyle Malone going from, we can ignore last year because he was 226. But if we go before that, he's never been a top 20 guy. What if he were to finish second or third? I mean, that could be like the Tony Smith concept where he moved into five from like 
40 something, you know? So, but right now I like Nico Morellis um, moving in from 102 to like, man, if he makes 23, 24, 25, I think that's worthy of a breakout player. Only other one I'll mention is uh, just because firsthand experience, kind of what he was doing in the, in the area recently. And Trevor Brooks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Trevor Brooks is right near 100 last year's rankings. I'm telling you what, him and Frank Modlin just won this Rock Hill Regional this weekend, which is not easy. And Trevor Brooks was the leader of that team. It was not Frank Modlin. Hmm. Interesting. All right. How about let's go both of them, man and woman of the year. Who do you have? Gosh, I want to be not boring here. Like I, I want to be, I'm, but I can't. I, I cannot. Ross. I cannot. I'm going to go Alex Ross because that was my MVP pick. I just can't physically get myself to pick anybody else but Cheyenne Boobin. I can't. I don't know what it is. I think I'm just my my head is just so fixed on it. I I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Cheyenne and, and Alex. Anthony, are you boring too? Yeah, and, and so now we're talking about the doubles part of this, right? Or no, is man man of the year is just singles, singles. right? Yeah, man yes. and women yeah. separately. Yeah, so so yeah, we're thinking doubles when we were talking um, player of the year. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, man, I could. This one's so tough. This one's so yeah. tough. When you compare the partners, it, you know, in the uh, in the uh, player of the year, um, you know, you got Guy with Graham, you got Birchfield with Rawls. I think you said that. You know, Birchfield got his boo thing, right, going on there, Mish. So I feel like he's sliding down just a little bit. So Graham's going to win that with the doubles part. When you get down to just singles, coin flip. Gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with Graham just so we can bat so we can kind of battle this out to the end there, Trey. I'm gonna go with Graham. And can you pick anyone but Cheyenne? I, I am gonna go with someone else. I okay. am gonna go with someone else. Um, the number two woman, multiple years in a row. I think Sarah Cassidy comes out in his woman of the year this year. Come on, come on. Yep. And she's still consistent. We're let's look at the drafts. When you filter on PPR, now we can talk PPR with the ladies. They play a PPR game. It's all about whoever can put the most bags in the hole at any given time. She's either going to be the top or she's going to be like second. Mm-hmm. You've got Finley and streaker right there with her. But her play is continuing looking at her PPR up to today. She's a 9-6 to 9-7 player. So I'm going to go Sarah Cassidy, Woman of the Year. All right, last one, doubles team of the year. Who are you picking, Trey? Team fundamentals. <laughs> team <laughs> fundamentals, right? <laughs> I mean, just bore me to death, baby. Bore me to death and bring me another, bring me another world championship finals appearance. I mean, I just... That's when you know you're good. You're so good that people don't want to pick you to win and you still win. Richard. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Anthony. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna change it up. I've been Graham guy strong all season. Um, I just I just don't know what I'm getting from Guy right now. I think, you know, someone like uh uh you mentioned Rawls Birchfield are in the mix, maybe even sprinkle in like a Hamilton Cano just for fun, but I think Trey's nailing it. Team Fundamentals, just getting to watch them a lot in Myrtle Beach. I watched a bunch of their games. You know, we saw what they did all the way to the end. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Richards Lopez. All right. How about some hot takes? You got a hot take ready, Trey? Uh, you know, I feel like I could. Is it Alex I feel like I want to go super. I think I want to go super hot. <laughs> okay. okay. Super okay. hot just to, just to ruin Alex Rawls' like, season. Nice. Right? Okay. Uh, Alex Rawls wins two nationals this year. 
<laughs> scorching right. hot. Oh that wow. You know what's crazy? It's not that hot. Like I'm like I can see it happening. <laughs> the guy is so good. The guy is so good. Oh, oh my god. Two twice. All right, I alluded to it. So uh we're always talking about Cheyenne. She's <clears throat> obviously the favorite. We're now talking about Streaker and Finley as much improved. Uh, Belvin coming on strong. I'm going to say Sarah Cassidy, woman of the year. That's my hot take. And then I'm going to pick Mark Richards as man of the year to go back to back. Cause that doesn't really happen. So I think that if anybody could do it, it's him. So we shall see. That's all we got time for today. We made it. My power came back on halfway through. So thank you to the electric company and we will uh, <laughs> see you guys all next time. Thanks for joining us.